From the LA Times Studios, I'm Sarah Rodman, and this is The Real, your source for all things entertainment. For today's pod, I am joined by my esteemed colleagues to discuss the best actor and supporting actor categories for the upcoming Academy Awards. Hello, everyone. Please introduce yourselves. Hello, everyone. It's good to be with you. I'm Justin Chang. I'm a film critic for The Times. I'm Glenn Whip. I cover the awards season for The Times. And I'm Jen Yamato, film reporter for The Los Angeles Times and resident karaoke enthusiast, Enthusiast. advocate, high priestess, Mm, ambassador. (laughs) I Thank you. I accept I accept that title. <laughs> we will be preaching the gospel of both the Academy Awards <laughs> and karaoke. So we're going to start today with the lead actor category. So these are your nominees. Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Threat. You can sew almost anything into the canvas of a coat. Secrets, coins, words, little messages. Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. I got hypnotized last night, but it's cool because... I'm cured. It worked. Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. The Germans must not reach the sea. Not before we, we, we get our boys off of that bloody beach. We have Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name. That sounds different. Did you change it? Well, I changed it a little bit. Why? I just played it the way List would have played it if he'd altered box version. And Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. With my skill and... Uh, experience. I'm, I'm quite certain I can get this organization right back in line with its core beliefs. And let's talk about these nominees. First of all, we've got some nice, we've got a nice spread on age here. Do we see that a lot? Like new coming faces and veteran actors? Is that fairly common? I see it more on the actress side. Um, you know, young young people have been nominated. They tend not to win. This is a category that usually goes to the veteran performer, the veteran actor, Casey Affleck last, uh, I don't know. I think, you know, easy answer is that uh, the Academy is 75% male, so they like their ingenues, but when it comes to actors, they like their serious veterans. That is a really interesting insight that I've never heard anybody really vocalize. So they prefer gravitas over a fresh face in, in this men, category. In, in, their, men, in their male yeah. performance. A life experience mm-hmm. uh, or the semblance of life experience. And Sarah, before we got started, as you were saying, this year's award is very likely going to an actor whose last name is Oldman. Old man. <laughs> so the old Look man is going to win, life. you think. <laughs> I mean, I'm personally rooting. I'm not sure if we're allowed to say we're rooting for but I am. I'm rooting for the two young people. Timothée Chalamet, whose name is just so musical. Timothy Chalamet of Call Me By Your Name, who plays it so beautifully in what is basically his his first big role, leading role. He would be the youngest, I believe. Is he 21? Whatever. I think he's 22 uh, yeah. right now, but 22, he would yeah, be he the youngest. 20, yeah. But he's not going to win. So and he had an amazing year. year, not only in Call Me By Your Name, but showing up in Lady Bird as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And so does that help him, Glenn? That no. he had no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it could. I mean, it certainly helps his visibility. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I mean, Gary Oldman is playing Winston Churchill. Can anyone overcome a an actor who's never won an Oscar, a very well-respected actor, playing Winston Churchill, just like a historical figure? I mean, the Academy's changing, but it's not changing that much yet. 
where all the patterns of before have been erased. But and that he's lasts. never won, you said. And he's never won, And yeah. the Academy is also famous, right, for the make good Oscar, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, it would not only be a make good because he's never won, but he also gave a performance that's been relatively universally And acclaimed. it's so, like, old people respectable, playing Winston Churchill in the darkest hour. I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad performance. It's a showboating performance, but that's kind of what's called for. He is working really hard in that movie, and I think that that appeals to voters. Yeah, it's not – I mean, he did have to show up very early in the day to get all that makeup applied. Oscars in the past have gone to actors who have gained weight, lost weight. That physical transformation is, is uh, you know, a thing for voters. The sheer um, effort, knowing that so much effort right. went in and sacrifice it's, it's went into sweat. something. Yeah. The makeup, something you needed to convince yourself that, that the makeup could be done before you accepted the role? Or did you accept the role and then hope that you could find somebody to, to transform you? We were all up for the challenge, I think. Here's a, a very interior script that you've got to somehow make cinematic it it doesn't obviously lend itself to uh to that um and uh, and the leap that i had to make and kazu kazuhiro suji who, who designed the makeup and all that i think all the people that came on board so it was like one of those just a bit of fear is a good uh, a good motivator you know I think more more impressive than Gary Oldman's makeup, which is really great and gives him such heft, such important heft, uh, is the fact that he smoked $20,000 worth of cigars while performing that character and got nicotine poisoning. So he actually suffered for his art. Oh, my God. Really? It makes you wonder, is it worth it, Gary? Close but no cigar. There's a Justin <laughs> Chang pun we were waiting for. <laughs> I think what I sort of reject about it and what I just doesn't excite me is that this does seem to fall in line with a very traditional legacy cinema kind of oriented this this is the kind of film that you feel would have uh, the kind of performance that would have won best actor 20 years ago mm -hmm. and um and here's the thing if if Gary Oldman were getting these awards for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy I'd be all over it I'd be like <laughs> that was his great performance and it was a subtler more artful performance yeah. I think I was I think he should have won that year and he um, was super hot in that super hot in that and <laughs> How about this Sid one, Nancy? Not so much. <laughs> Maybe you should have won for Sid and Nancy. That would have Sid been, and Nancy. That would have been Jen's choice. I, it would have been, uh, but I I just fundamentally disagree with this the idea of a make good win. That just seems so wrong, especially in a year when the Academy has frankly surprised me by nominating both Timothy Chalamet and Daniel Kaluuya for Get mm -hmm. Out. It's a gr another nomination I I cheer and really hope. For. Absolutely, we'll those are my two favorites as well. Although I do love Daniel Day Lewis in Phantom Thread, um, and I like Denzel Washington in Roman Esquire, uh, Roman J Israel Esquire too. But I love the Daniel Kaluuya nomination especially. Yeah. Um, and it's funny just having seen Black Panther a second time last night. Now that we can see, I mean, now he's he has just a, bragging. He has a, no, I am no, I should not be letting <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya is also in Black Panther. He is in Black Panther. He has a supporting role, but. He's so good in it, in that yeah. supporting role. He has gravitas. He has just a ton of emotion that's expressed with very little. And this, I, I mentioned this uh, because I think the thing that I've been hearing over again is just like, what's so great about Daniel Kaluuya and Get Out as if he's sort of 
riding the get out train. And I think what he does in that movie is phenomenal acting and uh, done with, again, very little kind of overt and so much in his eyes and so much of that character cannot express openly in the the setting that he is in, that he finds himself in. It's the opposite of what Gary Oldman does in Dark Oh, Star. yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's true for me for what Timothy Chalamet is doing, too. And I would probably give it to him if I had to choose one of these five performances. But Was it that, that last kind of scene acting. in Call Me By Your Name? Oh, God. Eyes. The eyes have it. The eyes, the eyes have it. I'm just well, going to say, though, that Oldman, I don't think it's a make-good Oscar. It's mm-hmm. not Al Pacino's Scent of a Woman Oscar. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, it's a showboaty performance, but he does put across the wit and warmth and some insecurities of Churchill. I, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good piece of acting. Compared so, to John Lithgow, though, what do you think? In the crowd. I, well, that's the thing. We just had Lithgow Cox. winning, and Lithgow's great, and it's it's a different kind of it's it's a different period of Churchill's life, so it's a different kind of performance, but um, no less worthy. But yeah, it does feel again, it does feel a little weird that an Emmy and an Oscar for Churchill performance so close within together. six months. And then not to—I don't want Denzel Washington to feel left out. I mean, can you imagine even saying that? When does Denzel Washington <laughs> or Daniel Day Lewis? Or Daniel Day Lewis, like oh two of God, our best God. actors ever, and we're like, whatever. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, Roman J. Israel Esquire, not a big hit. Not a big hit. I kind of defend this movie. I don't think it's a great film. Um, I actually prefer it to uh, Dan Gilroy's previous film, Nightcrawler, which I know is <gasps> sacrilegious to some. I just think it's a great L.A. mood piece. Um, so and he's I think, esquiring people around town. What is esqu- happening? Oh, I did not very, see this one. <laughs> very good, Sarah. Um, I just really <laughs> – I, I, I think it's also – I think Denzel Washington is giving a much more interesting performance in this movie than he gave in Fences. For, and and I, I don't want to – Fences, it's – you know, Troy Maxson is a great, iconic American role. But I, I just personally – think this is a more inventive piece of acting. Um, it's All email can go to justin.chang <laughs> at latimes.com. <laughs> Did you see it after Toronto I actually saw the it, recut version? I actually saw it at Toronto. So I have not actually seen the recut version. It's I don't the, know if it's – is it short? It is shorter? It's or shorter it's and yeah. they move scenes around and it's supposed to be better. But I never saw the recut version either because I saw it at Toronto. Yeah, it's you know I I'm curious to catch up with with the new version, but I just this performance for me just kind of got under my skin in a way I really liked. I think that I am kind of a fan of acting that does not beg for your sympathy and that gives you a character who is kind of actively unlikable or actively repellent. And I think you know good for Denzel. It's uh, I think it's I'm really glad that he got this nomination. Here's the question though, like. He was not a shoe-in for this particular performance as much as everybody loves and respects Denzel Washington. Did James Franco's downfall and the allegations against him in the Los Angeles Times, mm-hmm. uh, reported in the Los Angeles Times, um, but did the allegations against Franco, which came right before voting closed on nominations, did that open the door for Denzel? I will never know, will we? But I mean, there it did. The two heaviest voting days for Oscar nominations or Oscars are the first day and the last day. And this time story about Franco broke two days before voting closed. So all those late voters had something else to think about. And Franco had been expected to get a nomination. He had just won the Golden Globe. He had just won the Golden Globe. He was nominated for SAG, I believe. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but 
you know, going back to what we were talking about, traditional Academy movies, um, the Disaster Artist isn't exactly that. It's kind of a goof. I wasn't as big a fan, I think, as you, or perhaps Justin. I don't know. I know Jen. I'm a big a fan. Huge of fan. Um, but you can see how older Academy voters might not be completely down with that. I think they're not well-versed in Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Imagine that. But, but, of course, you didn't need to be to enjoy the right? movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll never know. I was surprised. As, I, I thought Franco would still come through because it happened. It, that story broke so late. And not to leave Daniel Day-Lewis out, in, I feel like in any other year in – any movie, he would be the person that we would be talking about most. And since he has said that he is going to retire after this, does that help or hurt his chances? Like, this is our last chance to give him an Oscar, maybe. I don't think anyone believes he's going to retire. Nobody ever really retires, do they? Uh, Ask Soderbergh. I certainly hope no, for sure. Um, I certainly hope not. I think he'll take a sabbatical for a few years, perhaps, and then be inspired anew. To but he is back. great in Phantom Thread. He is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so give me your predictions. Who do you think will win and who would you like to see win? I think Gary Oldman will win, and I think Timothy Chalamet should win. I You can't go against Gary Oldman, um, but personally, i like to see Daniel Kaluuya win. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so torn because, yeah, I also don't have enough faith in the Academy to think that Gary Oldman won't win at this point in time. Um, but I am rooting for both Daniel Kaluuya and Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet has had such a ride on this this award season. He's adorable. He is engaging. He's been knighted by Lil B, the base god. So clearly he's he stays base. I really think that could take him through the season. <laughs> All right. Thank you, base with guy. that, we'll be right back with a look at the Best Supporting Actor category. Dunkirk is a historical epic written, directed, and produced by Christopher Nolan. The film is a heart-pounding account of the Allied troop evacuation from the French city of Dunkirk in May of 1940 before Nazi forces could take hold. Tom Hardy, Kenneth Branagh, and Mark Rylance co-star, with longtime Nolan collaborator Hans Zimmer providing the score to this dramatic depiction based on the actual events of World War II. You haven't turned around. Oh, we have a job to do. So, uh, no, we're going to England. We have to go to Dunkirk first. Look at it. If we go there, we'll die. I see your point, son. Well, let's plot a course. Get Dunkirk on iTunes Movies. Welcome back. We are now going to talk about the Best Supporting Actor category, which I feel is actually more competitive, perhaps. We have Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project. Drama's over, folks. You got your power back. Have a nice day. Love you, I love you, too. Woody Harrelson and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I'm doing everything I can to track him down. I don't think those billboards is very fair. Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. If I could go back to when I was 18, I didn't know anything about anything. I'd give myself a bit of advice. I would say, take better care of your teeth and a lot more. Christopher Plummer in All the Money in the World. What if the embargo is lifted and oil were to crash? I have never been more 
vulnerable financially than I am right now. And Sam Rockwell in three billboards outside Eben, Missouri. Mrs. Hayes, have a seat. What is it I can do for you today? Where's Denise Watson? Denise Watson's in the clank. On what charge? Possession. Of what? Two marijuana cigarettes. Big ones. So first off, these two nominations, that's bad, right? That will potentially steal votes from each other. Do they cannibalize each other? That has historically proven not to be true. Robert De Niro in The Godfather Part Two proved that decisively untrue, right? Yeah. 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 Especially now, this award season lasts so long, and there are so many (laughs) award shows before the Oscars, and Sam Rockwell has won the Screen Actor Guild Award, and he won the Golden Globe. So what tends to happen is that Well, there's a voting psychology. People like to vote for a winner, and one performance tends to pop over the other. And in this case, Rockwell, whose character in Three Billboards has this um, remarkable, perhaps too remarkable character arc, um, is, is the performance that people are supporting. But let's talk a little bit about the difference between Woody and Sam here, because Sam is the presumed front runner. Mm-hmm. Was anybody surprised that Woody got nominated and sort of the difference between their characters? I think he was the more – I would say he was the most surprising inclusion in this set of five. Yeah. I think that that fifth slot could have gone to maybe Michael Stuhlbarg uh, for or Call Army. Me By Your Name or Army Hammer for Call Me By Your Name. Um I actually like Woody Harrelson's performance, I think, better than Sam Rockwell's. Well, I think Sam Rockwell gives a good performance in I this think Woody char- role. Woody's character is much more likable. Likable, and he just and, and kind of has this naturalism to it that I think whereas a lot of the acting in Three Billboards is is kind of a little broad and all over the place. Yeah. And Harrelson stabilizes the movie in a way that uh that is quite appealing. Um but uh yeah, as Glenn was saying, I think one performance just tends to pop. And Sam Rockwell, who's again, this is his first nomination. He's been a wonderful wow, actor. Really? I believe that's true, right? It's he, yeah. this is his first nomination. He's been a wonderful actor for a long time. Great character actor. I don't begrudge him winning here, but uh, there are other performances in this category I prefer. And he was part of this SAG Awards sweep that mm-hmm. was so pro three billboards. So it's kind of like it makes sense that Woody also got nominated, but I don't think. Yeah. I mean. You don't yeah. think he's going to win. It's okay. Woody can take it. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was a very, I mean, supporting categories have so many possibilities. Um, this was one that I, I did hit on all five of the nominees um, because there seemed to be momentum building up for three billboards. Um, I think the other nomination that surprised a few people was Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World just because that movie broke so late and obviously his work in the movie broke so late. Um, as he was replacing Kevin Spacey, who Ridley Scott digitally erased from the movie after Spacey's uh, at the allegations of misconduct against Spacey, um, and so, people love Christopher Plummer. Exactly. So that's my Von question. Trapp. So many people have I'm, sort I'm of giving, talked about that. Yeah, I'm giving Jen an opening for some karaoke, <laughs> but it might be too. Um, go far back for her. Um, oh no, I got you. Yeah, there you go. Um, Beautiful. But it's a it's a really good performance. 
done in, right. you know, at the last minute. Well, and I, that's what I was yeah. going to ask, Justin and Jen. I mean, a lot of people talked about the sort of technical feat of replacing Kevin Spacey, but then the performance was well received. And I was honestly, frankly, like so surprised when I saw All the Money in the World to see how much plumber there is in that movie. They had to replace and reshoot so much film with Plummer, not just with Plummer in scenes replacing Spacey, but with Plummer and his co-stars. That was a lot of work. And I think it's impossible for people who know that to divorce the knowledge of how of this feat that they pulled off from the performance, from wanting to to acknowledge and celebrate the film. It's funny because Plummer was rumoredly or reportedly uh, Ridley Scott's first choice all along. It makes you wonder if he would have if he had been cast originally and this brouhaha with Spacey had not happened, would Plummer be have gotten this nomination? I don't know. It's very possible because I do think it's a great performance. Um, but absolutely what voters are responding to is the story behind the story. Um, it certainly you know, made more of them watch the film, I'm sure. It made more of them watch it. It emphasize just the seamlessness with which it was done. He's in like over I counted something like over mm-hmm. half a over two dozen scenes. Mm-hmm. He is the second lead of that movie. And and he was the only nomination from that movie. It's a good question that Justin asked if if he had been originally cast as good as he is in the film would he have been nominated? Um, but I yeah. do think he's he's kind of the dark horse. He could pull an upset in this category. Well, the Academy likes that too, right? Mm-hmm. The elder statesman actor, right. the person who might do one arm push ups during the. <laughs> the and he uh, did show. win an Oscar a few years ago for beginners, for right? Beginners. And if he hadn't, I think he'd be very much the favorite here. Now let's talk a little bit about Willem Dafoe because I feel like the Florida Love Project him. is a movie that people haven't seen, but I was really excited for this nomination and for this actor. He's such a great actor, and I feel like it's a long time since we've sort of had his name in the ether. We have to throw this to Justin, who, who <laughs> wrote such beautiful words about this beautiful movie. I think I just thank and you. And you Jen. cried watching it. Thank you it. so much. I think uh, I think the thing I said, and it's a terrible thing to say because I can't profess to have seen every single movie Willem Dafoe's been in, but I. Don't think he's ever been better. I can't remember a time when he's been better. And you know, he was nominated years ago for Shadow of the Vampire, a completely as <laughs> different a performance from this as you can imagine. <laughs> and I love the Florida Project. I think if I had my way, the Florida Project would be running the table. Would be one of them. I know Glenn feels similarly. Same. I know Jen loves the mm-hmm. movie too. And but they were absolutely right to acknowledge Willem Dafoe. And it's funny we were talking earlier about make good Oscars or career Oscars. This is a case where I think, you know, you could make a case for this being a career achievement type of award for Willem Dafoe that also happens to recognize just some of his best work. So it's fully deserved. I I think, too, the way that he meshes with that young cast of non-professional, untrained actors um, and completely fits in in that as this as Bobby, this sort of manager of this rundown motel. It's just beautiful humane, lived-in work that you just captivates you every second. And just like All the Money in the World, if you know and know anything about how the Florida Project was made, not just conceived, but executed and pulled off, it's really impressive. This was not some studio machine movie that had all the resources that were available to them. They didn't have all the money in the world? Oh, my God. 
I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. So explain. Sarah, you're giving me a run Sarah, for yes, my money. Yes. In the world. So corny, I can't help myself. But explain a little bit, Jen, for the people who don't know and haven't seen the movie, how it came together that it isn't a well, big studio. Sean movie. Baker, uh, co-writer and director, he co-wrote it. Correct. Yeah. Sean Baker, who is such a phenomenal talent, put this film together. It's it's the smallest film in the Oscar race, and as. You said Justin uh, Willem is maybe the only professional just, actor in this cast. I think that's – oh, Caleb Landry-Jones oh, yes. is in it. But no, but in, in a very small part and there are maybe some others too. But for the most part, he's certainly the most recognizable face. But Defoe is great. And so much of this movie is capturing like natural moments. My favorite Willem scene in The Florida Project is one that was unscripted. It's where he, playing the the hardworking, very caring manager of this uh, residential motel, chases away some birds that have, have encroached upon the hotel property. And it's just, it's just so perfect. It was uh, an accidental moment that was captured in the film. And Willem was just so so wonderfully, I think, present. They must have been so on the right wavelength at that moment to know that that moment would fit exactly into that character. And I love it. Boys, good morning. Yeah, you, you gotta go home. There's cars coming through here, we got guests. No harm, no foul, no foul. There's a joke in there somewhere. All right, fellas, all right. Have a good day. I think, too, one really quick thing that just occurred to me just as we're talking about this. You have these two movies, you know, Three Billboards, which, you know, and, and The Florida Project, which you could kind of say loosely look at places that Hollywood by and large does not yeah. tell stories the about. Economically ignored. Economically ignored, mm -hmm. you know, um, politically perhaps uh, differently inclined from Hollywood. And you look at the movie that they went for, which was this, you know, very showy. And I'm I'm not hate a three billboards hater. I think there it has virtues, but they went for the very entertaining, colorful, you know, showy one. Whereas the Florida Project, which is a beautiful, I think it's great neorealism. I think it just says something about the kinds of films and performances that the Academy is willing to look at. And there, there are questions of scale and, and size and budget, of course. But, and star power. And star power. And, you know, Willem Dafoe is the star, I guess, in The Florida Project. But it's kind of a shame, I think, that they are not willing to look at something that's kind of a more poetic piece of cinema that is a more um, realistic and, and low-key uh, kind of movie. Not not that it's a, you know, a, a, I mean, I actually think it's it's small, but it plays I've saw it twice on the big screen, and it's it's an enveloping film. It's a huge movie, actually, and so go see it. Well, this goes back to the eternal question of like how how daring are Academy voters as moviegoers? Like, Florida Project is a movie that was celebrated by critics groups, including the one that the three of us are in. Kind but of. <laughs> oh, a fight, is, a fight is breaking out in the Glenn studio. is still like, giving me grief for <laughs> not giving my one. It's it's hard. Anyways, look, I nominated <laughs> Beyonce. I didn't even bring that up. I was just <laughs> you, you were giving me. You were. I nominated Beyonce's Lemonade last year at the Lafco Awards, so like I got eight eight <laughs> votes. You know, so progress 
is uh, being made in small increments. But yes, progress <laughs> is being made. I mean, I think that when we look at these, and just just so he won't feel left out, and because he's such a good actor, Richard Jenkins. Jinx. Can we just give it up? He, for Richard look, he's Jenkins great for one in minute. The Shape of Water. He's great. Guillermo del Toro's movie is beautiful. Um, the star. I just need Sarah. I need you to describe what <laughs> the shape of water say is what about. what I said before. Yeah, you it's a beautiful it. love story between a woman and a sea monster and a fish man, <laughs> the fish man she loves. And it is. It really Richard is. Jenkins is so good. I mean, yeah. I, my favorite Richard Jenkins performance is Step Brothers, the Adam McKay, <laughs> as the exasperated dad. He's so funny. Can we so get a funny, sad trombone so sound in here? Can we get is a Step Brothers clip played? Roll it right now. Step Comedy Brothers. gets no respect. Well, everybody probably knows him best from Six Feet Under, but I mean, this is a man who has been working for years and years and years. And so to see him, I mean, he's gotten recognition in the past, particularly from the Emmy Awards, but it is nice to see him step up to the stage. Look, I would be so happy to see him win for Shape of Water. That character is is beautiful and surprising and just as out of place in that world as Sally Hawkins' character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You, his performance gives you the sense of the history of of him before the time that we we experience him in the movie, and it's just it's really really a really good performance. And that yeah. sense of dislocation is so much of what that is a, that movie is yeah. about, and what people are relating to. And so he embodies that outside of the sort of alien aspect of it, which is nice. All right, so we're gonna now you are going to tell me who you think will win and who you think should win. I believe that uh, Sam Rockwell will win, and I think that by a mile, Willem Dafoe should win. Yeah, too often Justin and I, I feel like, have the same um, (laughs) opinions about things, but except for the Best Picture LA Film Critics vote. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm leaning towards Sam Rockwell right now, um, and I'm a huge uh, Willem Dafoe fan. That that performance just was beautiful and big-hearted and um, so great. All right. Let's be real. I don't like Sam Rockwell's character in Three Billboards. I think he's a great actor, but I just cannot get behind the thinking that even thinks that that is the best performance of the year. Um, No shade to Sam Rockwell. He's great. It's not his fault. It's that character. That character is hashtag problematic. That movie is hashtag problematic. And that is something that should be talked about more as Oscar season rolls on, as this Oscar marathon rolls on. So I kind of think Sam Rockwell and Three Billboards had this SAG Awards momentum like a few weeks ago. Um, I think there's a lot of of, uh, runway left in the Oscar season for people to really take closer looks at these other nominated performances. I'm going to think... be checking out your byline here for that story. <laughs> I would write runway. that. I'll write that. <laughs> um, so right now, I would say Plummer. I see. I think Plummer because the it's it's he's already a isn't he already a, an Academy like record holder? People like the oldest something something. He might be the oldest yeah. acting winner, yeah. I believe. So I think, so, I think he, he's looking better to me um, optics-wise. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you guys. Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project is in my heart. And if things were as they should be and Oscar voters agreed with us, 
They would also say the same. All right. So we are going to separate Justin and Glenn and make sure they don't come to fisticuffs. Jen and I are going to sing some Sound of Music karaoke, and we are going to sign off. Justin, Glenn, Jen, let the people know where they can find you. You can follow me at Justin C. Chang on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Glenn Whip. Come find me on Twitter at, at Jen Yamato with all your three billboards hot takes. And thank you so much for joining us today. And be sure to download and subscribe to The Real on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, I'm Sarah Rodman. To get these and many other award-nominated films, go to iTunes.com slash Oscars.